Thank you again, Janet Lee. I think I'm going to have to change your name to Smooth Flow. You sure can play those songs with a touch. So smooth, so beautiful. And ladies and gentlemen, good morning. This is um, number five of uh, Mary Magdalene's Diary. And so <clears throat> we have a lot to cover. I thought last week that perhaps we could finish the series today. But as I got to looking into the volume of everything that I want to cover, uh, I'm going to have to say that I doubt that we will really get uh, through it all and probably have to be at least one more um, of the series and maybe two more. But, you know, that's all important and that's all good. We're, uh, I've had some people call me over the week and um, had different questions, and they were pretty interesting questions. So I thought some of that, uh, you know, kind of thing I should sort of toss in because uh, you know, they're, they're interesting uh, um, questions, and uh, they bring up uh, interesting concepts. <clears throat> now, um, um, I want to start off by uh, saying this. In uh, 1969, the Catholic Church officially repealed Pope Gregory's labeling of Mary Magdalene as a whore. So that was in 1969, the Catholic Church officially repealed, basically they repudiated the labeling of Mary Magdalene as a whore by Pope Gregory, and that's quite a thing for the Catholic Church to do because of um, <clears throat> their uh, ideologies about the, um, the power that a pope has uh, and what that pope speaks and says uh, having such authority. But uh, it was repealed. Now, why do you suppose that that would be such a gigantic issue? Well, it became a gigantic issue because, um, you know, people begin to uh, write books and, uh, and bring out various interpretations of Scripture. Some of the books, of course, most of them, uh, borrowed from sources that were not biblical. Uh, but nevertheless, the idea came out uh, that, uh, you know, made it pretty clear that maybe the Catholics should take another look. And no doubt, probably within the organization, there were, there were priests and there were scribes that had a different idea than uh, Pope Gregory anyway. Uh, but that, that's been repealed uh, since that time. And uh, so now you people that have been uh, brain um, ingredientized, uh, <laughs> I just made up that word. <laughs> what I mean is you've <clears throat> got all this ingredients into your brain from hearing this message. I didn't want to call you brainwashed. And you've heard it over and over to where, you know, you've had, uh, you know, um, things of doubtful uh, disputation that regards uh, Mary Magdalene. But uh, as you can begin to see that this is the time of repudiating that kind of an idea. And, and uh, this is the time of the vanishing point when those things that have vanished uh, have got to now come into visibility and have to be understood. And the spirit and the bride 
is speaking to the church and saying, hey, come up hither. Come up here to a, a higher caliber of, of view. Come up here to a closer uh, you know, assimilation into the Spirit of God. Where, where you can understand these things by the Holy uh, Spirit contextuality and not by uh, some man-made uh, interpretation. We want to thank God for all the incredible things that, that the Bible teaches us. And uh, we talked uh, last week about, um, you know, uh, uh, that we are kings and queens. Uh, that was neatly got around with by just saying, um, you know, that we will be kings and priests. But uh, I can tell you, if I wanted to make a message out of it, uh, I could sure open up a, a, a pro prolific amount of scriptures to show that the priest, uh, you know, is representing in that scripture uh, the church. And the church is always symbolically represented by the woman. So the woman then when you're putting it in the terminology of kingship and kingdom, she would then be uh, uh, due to having the, the hierarchy of the highest uh, second order, she would then be a queen. So we are in uh, into a kings and queen ministry. Not just kings, but kings and queens. Even you, when you understand that the Holy Spirit uh, has um, often been referred to in the feminine sense. And when Jesus showed the importance, he says, you know, uh, unless I go away, you know, unless I go away, then the Holy Spirit cannot come. It will not come. This prophecy of the Holy Spirit will not be able to take place. And, and uh, he put himself into a paired equilibrium, uh, when I go, the Holy Spirit will come. And then what he was not able to do, because he says, you know, he said uh, that he wanted to teach the people all of the light. Yet in the book of John, it says that his light, the light of Jesus Christ, shone in darkness, but the world, the world did not receive it. And, and so then we we came to understand that Jesus said, you know, greater works than I have done, you are going to do. There are things to be fulfilled uh, that you are going to fulfill. I'm going to fulfill what I came to do, my mission. I've got a mission. I'm going to fulfill it. But there's other things that uh, due to the circumstances of the times and the, and the, and the minds of men, I'll not be able to, to fulfill, but you will be able to fulfill it because I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will lead you and guide you into all truth. Now, we, we understand that the Holy Spirit is not only going to lead you and guide you in all truth, but it's going to help restore your memory. He says it'll help you to remember these things. So, so then... In, in that sense, the, you know, of, it, of the Holy Spirit being feminized, uh, you know, uh, you have, you have uh, God the King and, and, and the Holy Spirit the Queen. And, and of course, uh, God is, is Jesus and, and the Father in one. So uh, uh, it's very, very important when people try to sensationalize the Bible uh, 
and make man to be the all-principled uh, hierarchy, uh, you know, in the very seat that, that imitates uh, uh, God, and that women are just a, sort of a, a frivolous, uh, uh, you know, side material uh, that is available for use uh, whenever the use might arise. Um, that picture is headed to hell. That picture is headed out, out of, of, of any kind of recognition of truth. Uh, God is raising up uh, a ministry of kings and queens. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, this was one of the greatest pull-offs that Satan has ever pulled. When he got into the church and reconfigured their minds and, and, and stalled the work of the Holy Spirit by, by um, uh, putting the, 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 the principal positions of women down to where they were second-rate, third-class citizens. And when he did this, he basically sealed the mouths of, of the women uh, so that they could not speak in the church, could not prophesy in the church, could not minister in the church. And by that kind of a farce, uh, he was able to slam down the voice and the spirits of half of, of, of the people. In one shot, he knocked down half of, of, of the church population uh, by, by that kind of a devilment of, of what was supposed to be uh, glory unto the man and, and pity upon the woman. So, ladies and gentlemen, this manifest ministry, this holy manifest ministry, is here today to make declarations, here today to set straight the record, because the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us into all truth, truth that applies to every single solitary human being on this planet, truth that applies to the, to the, to the, to the males, truth that applies to the female, truth that applies to the children. Uh, truth that applies to the whole creation that is outside of the entities of, of human beings, but still have a place uh, to be recognized, to be cared for, and appreciated as having a part in the overall creation. So we have to care about the environment. We have to care about the creatures. We have to care about every aspect of it. And anything in religiosity that is um, uh, dematerializing the basic glory of the creation, we have to stand up and make an issue about it and challenge it, repudiate it, knock it down, and raise up the flags of the banner of Jesus Christ with his love for all the world. Blessed be the name of God. <clears throat> now, there's uh, many, many things that we can uh, talk about, but I think one of the most uh, beautiful uh, statements that uh, is in this relationship of Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene uh, is, um, you know, metaphorically and beautifully described in a poetic way in the Song of the Solomons 2.16. When it says, my beloved is mine, and I am his. My beloved is mine, and I am his. So this is Mary Magdalene speaking. My beloved is mine, and I am his. That is so absolutely beautiful. You know, if we can get the right position, if we can get the right understanding, the right demarcation on relationships that need to be understood in the Bible, then maybe people can get the right kind of relationships going in their homes and going, on, going uh, you know, in their jobs 
and, and going in their viewpoints and that their consciousness uh, are, are their conscience, I should say, can be turned around to where it's in a proper perspective that relates to, to the, the Bible's statement that God is love. You know, that, that we've got so many uh, conspiratory kind of ideas out there now that, that people are being challenged to just raise up and get guns and, and blow people away. And, 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 it's, and it's all about, you know, war and hatred. And, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're into the, 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 the curse of the law thing. And uh, <clears throat> the curse of the law is not what Jesus came to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill the law that had been cut in half because the original law that was going to be given, and someday I will preach this message and show you the scriptures, was, was the law of blessings. And, and the, the children of Israel, were show, of Israel were shown clearly that they were between two mountains. And on the one side was the blessings and on the other side was the cursings. So, you know, we ended up with the exception of just two of, of the laws. The rest of them, you know, were, were mo mostly about cursings. Now, I'm talking about the ten laws. I realize there's like, you know, over 600 laws in the Jewish idiom, if you want to consider, you know, all the statutes and, and those various kinds of, uh, uh, of um, uh, enclosures. <clears throat> so... Um, we're, we're in this fulfillment of, the, of this law that got broken because of, of the sins of the people and the hard-mindedness uh, uh, of the people. And God is wanting to restore the blessings that, that are, is the law that, that uh, can bring peace and happiness and, and attainment. And that's where the queens and kings and queens ministry is, is headed up the road to take you into those kind of wonderful, wonderful blessings. Praise God. Okay, let's talk a little bit uh, about, you know, uh, handmaidens. Because uh, we're, we're into this handmaiden revelation. And uh, we can start off by turning to Joel 2.29. That's in the Old Testament. And Joel was a prophet. And quite the prophet at that, and uh, he, but he 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 mentions a prophecy that became the Pentecost, you know, of the days of uh, of uh, of the disciples after Jesus had uh, had arisen, and uh, uh, it it uh, is something that uh, that did incorporate and include, uh, you know, the the um, the queens. It included the the, the ladies, and, and you know. So here we go, uh, Joel two twenty. I see Joel two twenty nine. All right, here's what it says. And upon, and also upon the servants, and upon the handmaids in those days, will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens, and in the earth. Blood, fire, and pillars of smoke. <clears throat> now we begin to see that um, there is a promise. There's a promise of a handmaiden ministry. Now I know that some people get confused on this word handmaid because they say, well, 
handmade. They're just they were just servants. Well, now isn't that amazing? You know, in the book of Joshua one, uh, chapter one, verse two, it talks about Moses as the servant of God, and that he is passed on. He is dead, and um, uh, the Bible tells us in uh, in Matthew. You can look up ten, Matthew ten twenty four and, and twenty twenty seven um, that um, it talks about you know we're called to be servants and uh, those those are very very important things that we start getting into the understanding of what this handmade ministry is. This handmade ministry, uh, handmade maiden ministry, is 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 a sacred and beautiful thing. And uh, God fulfilled his word. When he poured out his Holy Spirit, you know, on the days of Pentecost, uh, you know, people from all different races and nations and men and women received the baptism. (coughs) So uh, as we begin to understand that and begin to see those fulfillments, uh, we don't want to listen to anybody out there who's wanting to take away from the church the gifts of God, who's wanting to take away the Holy Spirit, uh, the, gi- the gifts uh, that are of the nine gifts and other additional gifts uh, under the t- uh, subtitle of helps, uh, people that want to take away from the church, uh, let them go and preach to themselves, uh, staring into some kind of a blank wall. Uh, uh, but, but that's not for the people that are really hungry for God. Uh, we're not interested in people that want to take away from us the, the, the dis- disclosures and, and the gifts and, and the revelations of God. And, and we, we're not wanting uh, to get involved with these people who um, want to limit us so that we, we don't have the elbow room uh, to, to, to be able to perceive uh, the new revelation that God is, is given. So blessed be the name of God for, for all that he is saying. Now, I, I read to you Joel 2.29, and then you can see that that same uh, scripture is actually repeated in the book of Acts 2.16 through 2.19. Well, yeah, the spirit and the bride say, come. Uh, God's got a, a ministry out there for the handmaids and their servants. But I want to tell you something uh, that the Bible teaches that, um, you know, we'll not, <clears throat> we'll not be uh, servants forever. And I will... Uh, I'll give you some uh, some scripture for that uh, as we we go along. But we we see that uh, in Second Peter, um, I think it's eleven one, that Simon Peter is called the servant. And uh, so you know this is uh, that uh, this is the word of God, uh, and and there's there's a meaning there that has to be appreciated and needs to be understood because if you don't understand it, you're just you're just missing the boat as to what the revelation of things are. And we start talking about this male-female thing, you know, and, and, and the rel- relativeness of, of how that we look at that picture. Uh, let's go back to and talk about Adam. Uh, Adam, the first Adam, uh, he gave a virgin birth to Eve. Someone says, oh, I don't think that sounds right. You don't call that virgin. Oh, yes, you do. Y- yes, you do. Uh, this is uh, this is a major uh, uh, revelation, and it's it's all part of the Word of God, and uh, and basically, uh, it's people that just don't know the Bible that uh, make these kind of decisions because they just really don't know what they're talking about, you know. 
And uh, but but uh, we can we can see if you want to check that out, turn to First Corinthians seven thirty seven, where where it talks about male virgin, and calls that a he, and uses the word virgin. That's in the Bible. Just take a look, folks. Find it out for your own self, and also find out that. Uh, that the Bible says in Second Corinthians eleven one that uh, virgins that have fallen away and become an unvirgin, that they can be made to be made over to become a virgin again. That's Second uh, uh, Corinthians eleven one. So there, there's a lot of incredible, beautiful, wonderful things that uh, you know people have just missed out on because uh, they've had such limitations in their minds about, you know, what God is doing, what God is not doing. <clears throat> now, Adam, he gave a virgin birth to Eve. So Adam gave birth to a woman. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, she gave a virgin birth to Jesus. So if we were to make a judgment based on the kind of scriptural interpretations that some people are, are doing, uh, they would have probably given a low grade to, to Adam because he, he produced, uh, he produced uh, first uh, a female. I mean, he could have had a son, a virgin birth of a son, then later had, had you know, a wife or, or, or a lady, uh, but, but he, he, he virgin birth was of, was of a female by the name of Eve. And, and and she became one with him, and uh, but Mary, uh, she gave birth to a man. So uh, let's understand. Uh, there's this connection there, that if you take that away, you take the woman out of the picture, uh, you don't even have the birth of Jesus. You take leave man in the picture, you still got the virgin birth of of uh, of Eve. Uh, who made some mistakes, but you don't have the virgin birth of Jesus until you've got the woman Mary. So you need the king's and queen's ministry because without the king's and queen's ministry, you cannot have the whole picture. And I think that, that it would be very true uh, to understand that in the nature of God, even in the nature of the love of God, uh, is a corresponding aspect of both uh, um, uh, representatives of, of that uh, uh, male nature and that female nature, not in the, the sensuality sense of, of on the animal side of the human uh, fleshly body, but as it, it would have symbolism uh, in the spiritual side as, as uh, a, a resultant or, or as an, a development of, of what was the, the uh, you know, the picture of, of or the example of or the shadow of, however you like to, to, uh, to round it out. And, and so those things are just, you know, all extremely, absolutely beautiful. Now, um, uh, there's, uh, there's some, you know, some other things uh, we want to talk about, we want to read, because uh, they, they have uh, really important relevance, and uh, that relevance is, uh, is something that we don't want to miss, uh, because when we leave the relevance out, then, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we make mistakes. But uh, in Christ, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, this, this is important. In Christ, um, at the same time, 
you are a male and you are a female. Got a little bit of sneezing going on. In Christ, you are both male and female. Somebody said, how could that be? That doesn't sound right. Well, it does sound right. You know that that the church is the woman, the symbol of the woman. But in the church is both male and female. So you as a man, being in the church, uh, which is symbolized by the woman, are still a male, which is part of the church. So in Christ, you know, you are in one disp- uh, dispensational viewpoint or, or disclosure viewpoint, an article of malehood, but in another dispensational disclosure, you are female. And when you start tearing down the, the female aspect, you start tearing down the church because the church is made up of male and female. And the very symbol of the church is the woman. You take out the woman, you lose the symbol. You lose the metaphor. There isn't any other example given for for representing the church than the woman. So you destroy the doctrine of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of the ministry of the apostles. There has to be a turnaround. That has to happen with the with with the people out there whose minds are, are have women in this downgrade, uh, you know, uh, type of uh, of mentality. That has to change. Blessed be the name of God. Now, there's a very interesting scripture, and uh, it has many many applications. Let's just turn to it because it is a powerful scripture, Jeremiah. Get to the book of Jeremiah. That comes right after Isaiah. And get to uh, 31. Jeremiah 31. Okay. In Jeremiah 31, verse 22, here's what it says. How long wilt thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? Now, if you just take it from there, you would miss out on what the Bible is really talking about. The Bible is talking about Israel, and just like the woman represents the church, a woman represents Israel. So let's back up a verse. When you back up a verse, and let's just say you go down to the, uh, you know, um, the bottom of the verse, it says, O virgin of Israel, turn again. To these thy cities. For how long wilt thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? Now, up to that point, it is talking about Israel not being represented from the male standpoint, but being represented from the female standpoint. And it's called the virgin daughter. Very, very important. Very, very important that you get this. And so, God is basically saying, you know, I, I'm sick of this program. 
in the sense of describing the word sick as being disgusted. He said, this has been going on and on and on. It's just a repeat cycle. So he's saying, uh, and get a hold of this, this is verse 22, and we're in Jeremiah 31. For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. God's going to do something different. God's going to do something new. And what is this? He's created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall. Now notice the word shall. This is, this is futuristic. This is something that's going to happen. A woman shall compass a man. Now, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's a prophecy about Mary Magdalene. Because we did the teaching and we showed you how that when the Bible used the word first, like being first to the, to the resurrection site, first to the tomb, and, uh, you know, we, we looked up that term. Uh, we came across an absolutely awesome discovery. And uh, we, we discovered that the, that, the, that, the, that the word there was proton, an atomic term. And that when we really looked it up, it, it meant uh, first. It meant uh, uh, chief, uh, beginning, first of all. Uh, and, and that was in um, uh, uh, number uh, 4412 of, of, of Strong's uh, Greek Dictionary uh, on, on the word first and in its interpretation of proton. And, uh, and then um, in the root associations, 4413, it says before, former. So here's something that's talking about a rel relative aspect to this me uh, to this subject that has something to do with with from uh, you know anteriority from being before from being former, and then um, when you take um, the uh, further association of verse forty four fourteen, which is from verse uh, which, uh, uh, when you take the I meant to say the the reference. Uh, from Strong's Concordance, you take, uh, you know, in the Greek, 4414, which, which is a, a root off, offshoot of uh, Strong's Concordance uh, number uh, in the Greek, 4413. It means one standing first in the ranks, like in the ranks of disciples and apostles, becoming a captain, like a champion, a ringleader. Wow. And, and, and this all ties in to number 4416 of the Greek uh, Dictionary Concordance. The word firstborn and born again from above. Wow. So as we begin to get into that, we begin to see, uh, reference-wise, how utterly incredible and important that this whole revelation is. So some of the things that people have come up with where they have found in other books in the Bible that um, that Mary was like an, an apostle to the apostles, a disciple to the disciples. And she had this advanced position. Uh, 
We found the scripture for it in the Bible by going into this interpretation of the word first and showing because the subject of the uh, was all about Mary. It was about Mary. And I, I've told people, I said, you know, you can find almost everything in the Bible that, that, that you receive by the Spirit. Almost everything will be in the Bible. It'll be, you'll be something there that will, that will verify it. <coughs> Blessed be the name of God. That is exciting. Okay, then we get into scriptures like, um, uh, you know, in, like that in that 31, uh, 32 that says, A woman shall, this is a prophecy, see, compass a man. Here we're seeing that there is already a prophecy about what she, about her becoming the fir- this this uh, first person uh, who becomes uh, a chief uh, disciple, like uh, like a, and, and a chief, uh, you know, like um, uh, not only disciple but but apostle. And um, no no wonder uh, in the alabaster uh, box example uh, where. Um, uh, Mary <coughs> had a proxy stand in for herself, but she was the only one that could have known the thing about the the burial of Jesus, and she's the the person that would have had the finances, which was a you know like a, about twenty thousand dollars back in that day that it was about a year's salary, but she had that capability. We went through this whole thing about you know the business she was in. And and it says that this woman is to be uh, memorialized. She's to be memorialized, which is the same thing that it was said about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now we have the duel. This duel, this double parallel, this sort of like the armies that, that Jacob saw, the Mahanaim, which were two armies with their two different kinds of flags. Mentions in the book of Genesis. These meanings all have correlation. They, they all have connection. You know? <clears throat> let's, um, let's look at another strange one. Go to Isaiah. This, this one's, you know, really, really out there. Let's go to, let's go to Isaiah. And uh, let's just uh, look at uh, Isaiah 4.1. Right up to the front there in Isaiah. Get to the fourth chapter and... And uh, let's look at verse 1. In that day, <clears throat> in that day, <clears throat> excuse me, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the or of, of the Lord of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion, and he that remaineth in Zion shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living. For the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. Now, we could, um, we could look at this particular scripture in different, in different lights. 
we know that it, when we get into scripture interpretations, uh, even of some of the scriptures referring to Jesus, that some of these scriptures in their complexity of understanding uh, were always of the nature that oftentimes the disciples would say, uh, explain to us, you know, don't speak parables to us, tell us plainly. Uh, because some of these things, you know, were, were deep and they were profound. But when you look at this seven, we know that um, we talked about the seven demons, that these were not demons that were cast out of Mary Magdalene, but these were like, uh, uh, you know, um, characteristics that had been left over uh, in the genetics. And so, in a sense, each one of those genetic leftovers represented, you know, seven different uh, you know, uh, persons way, way back in her genetics that left a mark in her DNA and in, in her genome. <clears throat> now, the, one of the things that's outstanding about Mary, which is so unusual, so many times in, in, in the husband-wife world, uh, although that is changing a lot, you know, in, in the modern uh, uh, cycles of time, uh, it was always a man went out and he made the living and the woman did all the things at home. But, but here is uh, this lady that says, uh, look, I will pay all of the expenses. Now, let, let me read it to you. We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. <laughs> we'll pay our own expenses. We're just interested in the name. Now, is this just talking about some common human that hap happened to survive some war and... and uh, or when it's talking about this name, is this talking about the name of God? You know, I want want your name. Uh, you know, Mary Magdalene, and it's in the Bible more than once, her and this group of women that followed her, they were very much involved in supporting financially the ministry and many of the expenses of Jesus Christ and the disciples. That's mentioned more than once. And what they were interested in, both from the standpoint of Mary Magdalene as a person and the, these other women that represented like the general uh, uh, you know, pattern of the populace who would come to believe in Christ in the course of time, they represented people that you know, they weren't looking for someone to take them over and financially support them. They were looking to support the ministry. They just wanted to they just wanted to be a part of that matchless name of Jesus Christ. They represent you know, the Bible says there's no other name given among men whereby a person could be saved other than that name. So I think it's interesting to just sort of uh Take a look at that from that possible standpoint of interpretation. Run it through the laundry and just see how that comes out in your own heart and mind. I don't think it does...
too bad of a job. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11.10. 1 Corinthians 11.10. Here's another unusual scripture. In 1 Corinthians 11.10, it talks about verse 9 um, of verse 8, For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Yet in verse 12 it says, For as the woman is of the man, even so the man is also by the woman. But all things are of God. That almost sounds like a contradiction. But, you know, obviously it's not meant to be. But what I think that you find there is some parts of this revelation that... Uh, is along the lines of when Paul has spoken be before and when he is, says, well, you know, what I am speaking is, is, is a great mystery. It's a great mystery about the church. And uh, we know that, that Paul has talked like that uh, before in his writings, that uh, his disclosures many times were symbolistic and uh, it, it wasn't totally 100% clear exactly what he was saying, and he wasn't intending on making it real clear because he knew that those that meant to understand it would understand it. And th those that uh, uh, had blocks, they would not understand it because it wasn't given to them at the time to understand. But there is something here that's worth looking at. We know that um, in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 10, as to the subject of power and authority, that there's neither a male nor a female in Christ. And then if we don't lose your place there, we'll come back to it. If we skip over to Ephesians 5.32, And we read, says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Here's an example of where he is talking about individuals. He is talking about the church. But he's showing that, look, this is a great mystery. And just not everything is black and white, easy to understand. There's a mystery here. There, there's, a, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a puzzle here. Now, if you can understand all those kind of things and keep that in mind and not lose the revelation of that, then you can get ahead. God had a plan. I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to, I'm going to have, there's going to be a woman. She's going to compass, compass the man. And that's exactly what happened in this discipleship of Jesus Christ. It wasn't the men that were first ones to be there at the tomb. It was Mary Magdalene. 
And you could just go after one instance after the other. It wasn't the, the men of the disciples that were first to have Jesus appear to him. It was Mary Magdalene. One example after another, in which she just shone like a star. <coughs> wow. Those things are so very, very important. Back to 1 Corinthians 11. And let's read this thing again. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. What in the world is it talking about? I know the things that people say that it means. They try to make this, you know, where the woman is submissive and 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 uh, she's just got to be obedient to the man and and uh, and she's got this long hair because it's the glory of the man. But you have to understand that when the Bible is talking about, uh, you know, man, it's 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 talking about the symbols in which, which you know. Christ is the head of, of, of all men, and so there is a prolongated duality there which stretches this whole truth in its proper natural vein to show that man is symbolized sometimes just like a woman is symbolized. So there's a shadow and a type. There's, there's a pattern. And we have to know when to apply those patterns. And we have to understand that, that when we're looking at this glory, if we take the woman out of the picture, that glory is lost. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, chapter 11, verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman uh, is the man, and the head of Christ is God. See, there is a whole order that everything follows. It is so very important. Wow. 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 Verse 7, for indeed, for man indeed ought not to cover his head for as, for as much as he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of, of, of man. Take the woman out of the picture and you take away the glory of man. Some say, well, I'm not taking my woman out of the picture. I, she's my wife. I just don't believe she should have a place in the church. This whole thing is talking about the church. This whole thing is talking about the ministry. It's not just talking about your commonplace example of how you live life at your little home. <coughs> it's talking about the ministry. And you can easily see that when you look at um, verse 4. Chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. Every man praying or prophesying, having said, covered dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth, their head uncovered, dishonoreth, uh, dishonoreth her head, for she is even all one as if she were shaven. So this whole subject is about the function of ministry in the church. Wow. Now when you begin to understand that, you take away this 
ministry, the queen's ministry from the, the, the women in the church. And you have taken away the glory for man. And no wonder you've got some really deadhead churches today that are so dead because they haven't got the glory in there. That's all part of, of, a, of a principal plan of God. It's pretty awesome for people to understand those things. If they don't understand them, they're just they're in darkness. Well, what does this thing mean about the angel? You know, uh, verse 10, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Well, the woman is the vessel that is used for birthing children, for bringing children into the, into the world. And um, uh, there is the experience with, with Jacob where he saw the ladder going up into heaven and angels ascending and descending. And that ladder, that ladder is like a lattice. And that lattice is similar, you could say, to the DNA and the genome. There's an atomic lattice in science. And all these things actually twine together. And so this thing about the angels ascending and descending is about the ophanim. Because God has put it on the woman to, to bear this thing of the seed. Now let's just go to, to Genesis 3 to verify that. To Genesis 3. And let's just see what the Bible says here. Genesis 3.14. This is uh, after the problem in the garden. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thou shalt... Um, and, and, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This thing about the seed is put under the, the title of the woman. And how do these Fallen Ophanim angels have the opportunity to come back to earth. Well, they have to have bodies to come into. So there has to be, you know, birth that takes place. And this queen's, queen ministry is, you know, to be involved, to suckle the children and to nurse the children and to, to mother the children. And that seed job is largely put upon the woman. It doesn't mean that men don't have a responsibility. I'm not saying that. But I'm just reading to you what the Bible says. Now, there are some other incredible scriptures that are just so outstanding that it's... Um, some of these scriptures are just almost beyond the beyond. They're, they're, they're so incredibly fantastic. <clears throat> and 
And I want I want to share a bunch of these things with you because uh you know this is this is this is all about these absolutely fantastically beautiful truths that uh that God is revealing to his people today. You know, God is revealing these things so that um people will be able to understand the power of of the word of God. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of God. Now, we're going to get into um, some interesting scriptures that um, I'll tell you what, you just need to be totally awake and your mind open to so that you can get the blessings and the meaning of these of these scriptures because they are they are meant to deliver you from the bondage that's been out there in the church world and I'm not saying this to knock the people in the church world but just to make a point of what is true and what is not true and uh because people have got to know they've got to know the truth and if they don't know the truth, then they're going to be separated from the plan. So God doesn't want his people to be separated from the plan. He wants them to understand so that they can have the blessings. And, uh, you know, uh, that that is the the absolutely beautiful and wonderful thing that that God is speaking to to you today, folks. In this, in this message, he's speaking this thing to you so that you can have the faith to believe this, this king and queen's ministry and that you can uh, have a viable part in it to where it applies to you in such a way it gives you power to overcome. You know, God wants you to have power to overcome. And, and, and you need everything that is is meant to be in the Word, and everything that is possible for you to have so that you can overcome. <coughs> because without overcoming, uh, you're missing the boat. You're missing the plan. Wow. So, the Lord has many things to say to his people. He's, he's many things to, to, to share to his people. But the thing of it is that unless the people have an unction, unless they have a desire to know these things and, and, and to work to understand them, the disciples didn't just automatically understand the things that Jesus was saying. They have to say, please, you know, don't speak this in parables. Please help us to understand. What is it, Jesus, that you meant by this, this, this parable that you're speaking? You know, he, he had to ask questions like that because uh, the disciples did because they just didn't understand a lot of what Jesus was saying. Wow. Wow. Blessed be the name of God. <clears throat> Blessed be the name of God. Okay. 
Now, um, here's, here's, we want to talk about this. There is a scripture that says that Jesus Christ is that ladder, that staircase going up and down to heaven. Now, at some point, I'm going to really get into that scripture. Whether I'll have time today or not, I don't know. We'll see. But there is a scripture that shows in the Bible that Jesus Christ is that, that Jacob's ladder that Jacob saw and that the people are coming up and down that ladder. So now we have both the seed of the woman and we have the sonship that are involved by the Bible in that, in that ladder. And, and it's got to do with this whole thing that we find in Psalms and in Ephesians about the, uh, the ascending and descending, which is all tied into that same concept of the angels ascending and descending. Now, the, the power on the head in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians of the woman is about this revelation of ascending and descending of the angels. And there's this incredible responsibility that's been put on the queenship ministry to have a certain bearing over the direction of how the propagation of those coming forth of children are taught and cared for and, and ministered to in divine motherhood. And that's the really beauty of this thing about the angels on her head. Not all these other philosophical things that they've tried to come up with. And that ties into Jesus being the Jacob's ladder. They're coming up and down through him. He has, he has made it possible for this to happen. And that's such a beautiful, 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 beautiful thing. Blessed be the name of God. Wow. Wow. Woof. As Jesus said in John 3, 14, you know, or let's say John 3, uh, 13, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man. It's all going to be through Jesus Christ. Now, that's not the scripture I'm talking about. That's still coming. But it is absolutely beautiful and wonderful to have these revelations from God, you know? Oh, you know what? I think I'll just go ahead and give you the scripture now because I, I, I just may totally forget by the time I get into this. Let's just look, for instance, we're in John. We turn in John, and let's just go to... Um, to chapter 1, and let's go to all the, basically the end of that chapter, to the 51st verse. And he saith, Verily, verily, I say unto to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. I'll read it one more time. I'm going to read it one more time. Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heavens open, 
and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Son of Man, not Son of God, Son of Man. Because this is all tied in Son of Man and, and the woman, Mary Magdalene. They have this physical ministry, physical mission. And the, this whole thing is so beautiful. Some of you that have more questions, you really need to get on the blog and read this Son of Man, Son of, you know, Son of God revelation on that blog. That's to help you understand the Mary Magdalene thing. Now I want you to hear this again. I say to you, hereafter you shall see he the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Son of Man is, is Jesus. And the angels are ascending and descending upon him. That's the scripture. No man's ascending to heaven that don't, doesn't go that way and hasn't come down from heaven that didn't, didn't go that way. That was all part of the plan of the mission of Jesus Christ to make that, that lattice, that ladder possible so that there could be a chance of repentance for the angels. And that's why Mary's got this thing on the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians of the angel on her head, because as in Revelations, uh, pardon me, Genesis 3, uh, Eve, speaking for this woman ministry thing, for this queenship, God spoke to her and said, you know, you know this, this seed thing is going to fall on you, and Satan's going to come against you and against your seed. Blessed be the name of God. You begin to see this thing that I could say to you right, right now in this ministry of the Holy Manifest. This has to be at least one of the important times that Jesus would be referring to. I'm not saying it's the only person or the only ministry. But he says, hereafter you'll see the heavens open. God is using this ministry to open the heavens. For people to see things they've never ever seen before. Now, for instance, let's just consider this thing about, um, about Melchizedek. If we, uh, and I don't think I'm going to turn to it because I, I, I want to you know, be sure I don't run out of time here. If we turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 15.23, it says that every man in his own order that these things that happen to human beings, that these revelations that are given to human beings, it's every man in his own order. And, and people have not understood that there is an order like that. Well, it's interesting then that in Hebrews 7, 16 through 17, Hebrews 7, 16 through 17, it talks about Melchizedek, who is the king of righteousness. And that he's without father, without mother, without brother, without sister, without any lineage on this earth. That's because his lineage is in the father's house. That's where his lineage is. He has a lineage there, but he doesn't have any on earth. And that's why Jesus said, before Abraham, I am. He's referring to this order. Now, interesting enough, it says, in the same scripture area that I gave, it says that, that Jesus was made a high priest after, A-F-T-E-R, the order, O-R-D-E-R, -E of Melchizedek. 
Now, is that a contradiction? Well, it would be if we don't interpret it right. Because if every man is, is after his own order, as we described it in 1 Corinthians 15, 23, then Jesus should be in a different order than Melchizedek. But being the Bible says that he's in the same order, then that makes it very clear to us that as it says in the book of Hebrews, that Jesus became the author of salvation by overcoming here on earth. And the whole idea of salvation comes from the word Yeshua, which has been translated as Jesus, which comes from the base of the word Joshua. And so the concept there is very important to understand that this is something that wasn't always forever. It was a assigned name for a special ministry here on earth to come as a savior. But before that, the name that Jesus had was Melchizedek. And how could it be anybody else but Jesus when it says that Melchizedek is the king of righteousness? Just check that out. Hebrews seven sixteen through 17. And the thing of the order of Melchizedek. So now we can understand that Jesus on at the Father's house is Melchizedek. Now, because that angels are multiplaceable and they can be in more than one place at a time, there's many, many things that you know people just don't understand. Like for instance, I had someone say to me, Well, how can um I've heard you do the teaching that the father uh, went to the <clears throat> uh, to be with Michael, the archangel, Lord of the host, at the Pleiades. And is that where Jesus is also going? Because if Jesus is going there, then how is he going to be at the father's house to be there with his, his wife, Mary Magdalene? And, you know, that was a, a super, uh, super, super good question. Well, believe it or not, and I wouldn't have the time to do the teaching on this here this morning, but maybe I could just rough, really go through it real fast. Uh, there, is, there is scripture for this. In Job 9, 9, it talks about Arturus, Orion, and the Pleiades. And then there's this very unusual, interesting verse that is put in. And it says, Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passes on also, but I perceive him not. And this is a verse that is actually talking about when the Father goes to, to be in the Pleiades. Now, how can we further substantiate that? Well, in Job uh, 38, 31, uh, you know, it, it talks about uh, the Pleiades, and it says, can you bind the influences of the Pleiades? That's actually another way of saying what it says uh, later in that chapter of Job 38, knowest thou the ordinance can you set the dominion in the earth? Can you understand these incredibly uh, spiritual things 
by reading this kind of language, can you understand what's really happening? Well, when you really in, in, uh, interpret this word influences, it basically means enfolding. And it's like if you take one part, you, it's like the enfolding of one part within another part of a structure. So we have the three groups of angels. The seraphim, the cherubim, and the ophanims. So when you enfold one group within another group, and it turns out to be the Pleiades, then you have the fulfillment of this scripture that I read to you. He passes by me, and I see him not. He passes on also, and I perceive him not. You have this moving of the Father to be with Michael, and, and, and then that's the fulfillment of Daniel 12, 1 and 3, where Michael, the archangel, is standing up for the people because of this twinning, of this enfolding that gets Michael and, and his host of, of, of uh, you know, he being the Lord of, 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 of these uh, angels called the seraphims, being involved uh, for helping the ministry of the people on earth. And then Jesus clearly says that when he leaves here, he will go to be with the Father. And there's all kinds of scriptures for that. Now, there are many, many more, more, uh, more scriptures than just this, you know. Um, and, and, and they have to be understood. You know, uh, people just so many times don't understand these things. But like in Job 9, 7, it talks about the sealing of the stars, where the sun riseth not. Well, what is Tom when it says about the sun not rising? If the sun doesn't actually rise, it's the earth that turns around and causes the effect of the, of the sun rising. So if something happened that the earth wasn't turning around, the oceans would spill over the earth. And, and gravity would put everything into the total uh, constant of destruction. So what it's really talking about, which I've preached on this before, is God's people being moved to another place, another planet, another constellation, <coughs> where they do not, cannot even see the star or the sun that is on this earth. And so it does not rise to them anymore because they are on another planet. They have another sun that, that rises to them. <coughs> so that is so important as we begin to see these and understand these things that it's talking about and how that these scriptures all go together and this, un this enfolding, you know, and beginning to learn the ordinances so that you can set the knowledge of this as a dominion in the earth. Job 38, 31, etc. in that area. And in Amos 5, 8 where it says, you know, seek him. Seek him that maketh the seven stars. Seven stars represents the Pleiades. Now why are we to seek him that's particularly made the seven stars? Because that all ties into Michael the Archangel standing up. All ties into this revelation of the Father going to 
the Pleiades to be with, with Michael the Archangel while all this kind of stuff is going on. Wow. It is so important. And there's a lot, there's more scripture than that. But that, that just is a few scriptures that begins to give you an idea of the fantastic reality of that. You just you just begin to see things in a, a a way that maybe you've never ever thought of them or ever looked at them before, but that doesn't mean that they're not correct. You know? It doesn't mean that at all. In Isaiah forty twenty six, lift up your eyes on high and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, that he is the strong in power. Not one faileth. He bringeth out their host. We're talking about the host of the cherubims, the host of the seraphims, and before used to be the host of the ophanims. And these stars represent, you know, the angels. And the fact that they all have designations of names and, and, and places is, is, is just all part of the plan of God. It's all part of the plan. So, when Jesus goes to be with the Father, he's co-oon with the Father. There is a scripture that says that he will, he will go to be with the Father again, making it very clear that, uh, you know, this has happened before. Jesus is very clear in John 18, <clears throat> verse 36. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this earth. If my kingdom were of this world, this earth, then my servants would fight. They would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. He's made that so clear. He's repeated that over and over again. Now, in <clears throat> the book of John, chapter 16, verse 28, he says, I came forth from the Father. <clears throat> I came forth from the Father, and I am coming to the world again. A-G-A-I-N. Again. This isn't the first time that he came out from the Father. Because he makes it clear that this has happened before and he came out again. Now, we know from scriptures that he said that he, that he made it very clear, uh, you know, that he's going to go and be with the Father. You can read that in the 14th chapter of, of, of John. <clears throat> but when he goes to be with the Father, that'll be in the Pleiades. But what you have to understand Jesus Christ as the husbandman, as the Melchizedek husbandman, will be on planet Artura, or the planet of the Father's house. And some say, well, how can he be both places at once? That's how it works in the spirit world. When he's one with the Father, then he can be out in the Melchizedek body, the Jesus Christ body, the Bible says in the 16th chapter of Mark, he appeared in other forms. That's just something that you can do in this, in this angel consciousness. 
that human beings, they, they don't understand that because they try to base everything on their limits. But that those limits don't exist with God. They don't exist with God. Wow. Woo. In the 17th chapter of John, in the 5th verse, he says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before this earth world ever existed. I had a glory with you, Father. Way, way, way before this earth world and all its creations ever existed. If we don't get those kind of things into our mind, we're going to totally miss the boat. Totally miss the boat. Wow. Then he says, and I want you to get this. Speaking of disciples, John seventeen fourteen. I have, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. They had a mission to fulfill. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Wow. He says in verse 18, And thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. They weren't just natural products of being born here on earth. They were sent here on a mission. That's why in my teaching I did where I showed that, that all the disciples except except uh, Peter, <coughs> were called sons of thunder, which means they were, they were involved with the offspring of, 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 of Enoch at the Father's house. Wow. There are so many beautiful things in this word. Just absolutely gorgeous, beautiful word of God. There's no question about it. That just gives you a rough idea of this thing about how that the Bible has a story here that backs this whole thing about the Seven Thunders book and this thing about the Pleiades and some of these different revelations. It's in the Bible. You know, in fact, there's other names that the Bible mentions besides the Pleiades. That, that, you know, like Sima, that, that people have not, don't realize that that's another name the Bible ga gives for the Pleiades. But we, we don't want to take any more time to go into that because, you know, we, we've, we've spent enough time here. And uh, we've, we've got to keep this uh, ark moving up, up the road. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, now, let's just keep going because there's much, much more to cover, much, much more to say. Blessed be the name of God. So, Mary Magdalene, she was a, um, uh, she was a, a heroine. She was a hero. Uh, uh, you know, she was a hero. Um, let's look at a beautiful scripture in Zephaniah. That's back into the Old Testament. 
And let's just read this scripture. And this, this is a prophecy in the Word talking about Mary Magdalene. And, and it's so, so absolutely uh, gorgeous of the Word when you start getting into these scriptures uh, that go deep into the understanding of these mysteries that have been in the Bible. You know, like the one I read to you where Paul says, but I speak this as a mystery. Sure, there are mysteries in the Word. And, 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 and it's going to take the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to lead you and guide you. Now in Zephaniah 3, verse 14 through 17, it says, Sing, O daughter of Zion, and shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all thy heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He has cast out thy enemy. The king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. In the day it shall be said in Jerusalem, Fear not, and to, and to Zion, let not thy hands be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will, re he will rejoice over thee with joy. Now listen to this. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Over thee, the daughter of Zion. It's talking about Mary Magdalene. You have to put all these different scriptures together to, to get that. You sort of have to come into this pure language. You know, the Bible says he's going to teach us that, the, that we have the potential to learn the, the language of angels. As we begin to learn the language of angels, we'll begin to understand things that, uh, that, we've, never, that we've never understood before. Wow. Wow. So, let's just keep uh, moving on here and see if we can keep all these two things uh, put together in a way that uh, it's going to really quicken it to you and, and, and help you to, to, to get into this revelation. We got this revelation, Jeremiah thirty-one twenty-two, a woman compassing a man. Uh, what a what a place that that has given the power of the angels, uh, you know, the angel on the head. Uh, we've got uh, you know all the all these revelations that 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 God is just moving by His script by His Spirit. Uh, it's it's absolutely exciting. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, there is a scripture, and. Um, uh, I, this one I probably won't read today, but maybe next week I will. And and it says that Jesus taught the disciples everything that was within his ministry, involved with his mission, about the Father. Now, we know there's different times when Jesus talked to his disciples and he said, do not tell this to anybody. They had to take, a, make a promise that some of these things would not be told. John understood that. He says, you know, the, 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 the Lord will, will lead us into all the things that should be written. There are things that should be written. Well, I'm, write, I'm writing this book called The Father's House. And it's going to have a lot of revelations of those things that that scripture says clearly says that Jesus told these things to the disciples. He told everything about this mission of the Father's house. Says it in the scripture. 
And those are the kind of things that should be written. And that's why God is moving by his spirit in this revelation of the handmaids. Because until we have the kings and queens ministry together, then the glory system that glorifies the, the woman that glorifies the man, the man that glorifies the son, the son that glorifies God, falls out of alignment. And when that falls out of alignment, the whole power structure becomes dilapidated. So God is intent on bringing us through those kind of misunderstandings and bringing us into these deep word understandings that you know people have have missed before in Isaiah 61 uh, 61 you know it's got that same theme theme about about the the bride let's let's just let's just look at that because there's a couple of scriptures here that I want to talk again on this brideship thing because that's it's very important Isaiah 61 61 <clears throat> Praise the name of God. Let's uh, let's make that Isaiah sixty one ten. That'll be better. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in God, for He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, as a bride adorneth herself. With her jewels. For as the earth brings forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. This is a world ministry. This is a world wake-up call. Now if we go to a scripture that we've talked about so often, Psalms 19. And this is the scripture that reveals the thing about the, the heavens declaring the glory. There, there's these glories and there's these, not just heaven, but heavens. There's these different levels. Some of which can be described as the 30, 60, 100 fold levels. And as we begin to, to apply these different levels, and we're able to describe some of these mysteries of God, we open up the glories, and there's different kinds of glories. And as we get into these different kinds of glories, our, our eyesight moves up to keener and keener vision. We begin to see things and hear things that we never could see or never could hear before. And it says that in 19th chapter, and day unto day utter speech, Night and tonight shows knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. There, there, there's no way that a person can say that these things are not out there. There's no way that we can say that, you know, if it's left out of the Bible, then, you know, that means that it's not to be talked about. Because when the Bible has included in the Bible that there are things that will be revealed by the Spirit, then those things are included. Because the Holy Spirit's going to lead and guide us into all truth. Verse 4, chapter 19, Psalms. 
Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoicing as a strong man to run the race. When you get into the soundtron, which is this line, this word of God going out to the ends of the universe, you get into the subject of the bridegroom that at last is coming out of the chamber. And the bride is coming out, as, as I preached last week, out of her closet. This is, the, this is the crystal moment. The bride is coming out of her closet. The bridegroom's coming out of his chamber. And they're getting involved in this circuit ministry that, that is universal. It's a universal ministry. It can't be a universal ministry when people tear it apart and make it so it's just a bunch of scab-headed men that are all proned up in their pride uh, to believe that they are the chieftains of, of the creation of God. When God says that in Christ there is no such thing as male and female, Jew and, and Greek and free and bond, everything is equal in Jesus Christ. <coughs> Praise the name of God. Well, we know that we have all these different bodies that are a potential for us. We know G Jesus says, no man can ascend up to heaven save he that came down. We know that the Bible says in, in Corinthians, <coughs> says in Corinthians that, that if this tabernacle were dissolved, we would have a, a building not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We know that these bodies already exist. And as we begin to get, in, get into these understandings of this multi-placeable uh, capability, this omnipresence capability, this ubiquity that allows us to, to motivate in these different places because we have the mind capability to do it, the spirit capability to do it, and the word capability to do it, and the will of God capability to do it. Blessed be the name of God. Wow. And so, this whole thing that is happening from speech to speech, from night unto night, that shows knowledge, this whole thing that is about the language where the voice is not heard because it says there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. But the people that say that, yes, there is, we, we can't know this or we can't know that because God never told us. <laughs> he did tell us. It's in the Soundtron. And, and there's no place that that voice has not been heard. And by the Holy Spirit, we can bring through forth these oracles and these revelations. And, and we can preach a word with such a sounding of clarity that it'll make people want to stand on their feet and, and dance. Praise be the name of God. Wow. Which is, verse 5, as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoicing as a strong man to run the race. And listen to this. His going forth is from the end of heaven, his circuits unto the end of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there's the fire of the Holy Ghost in this word. And there's nothing going to be hid from it. It's stretching out its lattice. It's that lattice ladder of Jesus Christ where people can descend and ascend into the next dualities and parallels. It allows in the beauty of this the fullness of the, of the Godhead, the fullness of the revelation. It allows us to fulfill the scripture where it says all generations shall call her blessed. These two memorializations, one was with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and one was with Mary Magdalene, the wife of Jesus. Now here's something interesting. Mary, the mother of Jesus, brought Jesus into the earth. But Mary Magdalene, she took Jesus from the earth, went with him. Her ministry was to be with him as he showed his ministry to be, to go from the earth to the Father's house. So one ministry that is memorialized brings him to the earth, the other takes him away to the Father's house. They're both important because they're both revealing the beauty of this mystical body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's so many beautiful things that are in the Song of the Solomon about her. And we, of course, have not the time to finish this teaching today. There's so much yet I want to say about how Jesus and the kinsman redeemer and all that he came to do and all the, the beauty of this. There's so much more to preach about, to teach about, to sing about. But the scripture says, as it speaks about Mary, <clears throat> My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on earth. The time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. Ladies and gentlemen, this ministry speaks it and says it. Arise, my love, my fair one. Come away. The rapture of Mary Magdalene and Jesus to the Father's house is then mentioned again. O my dove, my messenger, thou art in the cliffs of the rock. Blessed be the name of God. Let me just have a prayer for you right now. Father, reach out your your spirit to these people who are hearing this word. Help them to understand this word. Cause your Holy Spirit to bear witness with them. And those that have afflictions in their bodies, reach out right now in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Touch them, heal them by your Holy Spirit. Make them whole, Jesus. You love them so much. You love them. God bless you. We love you. Amen.